Welcome to the weekly sermon by Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our special speaker. You know how many of you believe that God answers prayer? God answers prayer, right? Uh, Before I start uh, preaching, I'd like to pray. Is that okay? Father, we thank you this morning. I really need your help. Because without you, I can't do anything. I can't preach. I can't do anything. We can do something, but Lord, we need you. And I need you. Use me this morning. Come with your presence in this room. Bless everybody in this room. And I thank you for this message. Use my words like seeds in good ground. Bless everybody in this room, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Um, I have this story. I heard that story. It's a true story. Uh, there was, uh, I, maybe I told that before, but I'm not sure. Uh, there was this, uh, do you know what a punk band is? You know, this wild, crazy people, you know, a punk band. And uh, so there was one band in the radio station in uh, uh, Stockholm, uh, the capital of Sweden. And the guy on the ra- the host of this radio show interviewed them, and I don't know, they probably were stoned or whatever. I, I have no idea. So they was really crazy. So he said, what was the most crazy thing you have ever done? And they said, we tried to make a little hamster fly. <laughs> you know, a hamster can't fly. And so they said, how, how you did that? And, and they said, we made a little parachute, put that little hamster in a box and climbed to the highest building and let them fly. And he said, that's very bad. And it's very sad what you did. Do you know what's happened to that little hamster? And they said, no. And a few minutes later, a guy called in and said, I know what's happened to that little hamster. They said, tell us, what, hap- what happened to him? And so he said, you know, my, I, I was walking my little daughter to the daycare center, like every morning, and she, every morning she was begging me, Daddy, I need a pet. Please give me a little pet. And he said, I was not willing to buy her one. So I said, you know, uh, what you have to do is pray to Jesus. And she stood on the market square, and she held up her arms and said, Jesus, please send me a pet. And here that little hamster fly right into her arm. <laughs> it's a good story. I like that, you know. Um, my, uh, my whole family right now, they're visiting New York City uh, because my... Uh, uh, my second son, he got his uh, second master degree here in America, and he uh, studied art. He's and had his master in. He's doing sculptures and and um, but also he started uh, uh, studying theology. And of course, uh, it, there's a danger in that because sometimes some university they are very. Uh, they squeeze your faith out, you know. And so I was a little concerned, and I said, why do you like to study art? And, and you know, um, we talked a little bit about mistakes in the art world. He said, I need to understand, uh, because I'd like to do Christian art, I need to understand the background of some stories, like church history and things. And so I can do better, I can do my artwork. And... So I, I heard about two mistakes 
very famous artist did in the past. And I have two pictures. Don't worry, this is not an art lesson. Uh, I, I have a point with that. And uh, maybe you can put the first picture. It's uh, Moses on that uh, this statue on that uh, throne. Maybe you can put it. Yes, that's what it is. This is a, a, a sculpture from Michelangelo. And Michelangelo lived 1475, born in Florence, and died 1564 in Rome. And he was one of the most gifted artists this world has ever seen. This is not in the Vatican, but there is uh, the grave of a pope, and right next to it, they, they put that in. Michelangelo made a big mistake. If you look to, to Moses' head, which is the statue of Moses, uh, there are two horns. And we know what horns stand for. And there's a very simple explanation. When the translators of the Bible translated the Bible into the Latin language, they made a mistake. They uh, switched words. And you know, when uh, the Bible said, when Moses came down from the mountain, his face was shining. And so actually, they translated this wrong, and it said his, he, was, uh, he had horns. He was horned. And that's why you will never find a, a, a picture or anything from Michelangelo. Moses always have horns. And I think it's, it's sad, you know, somebody should go to Rome and knock that horns off of... Uh, but, but don't do that, because that is one of the national treasures in, in, in Italy, so don't do that. You will be suffering and have a jail ministry there, so don't do that. <laughs> and then there's a second picture. It's uh, a very famous picture, and it's hanging in the Louvre in Paris. And there was a painter, an artist, his name was Friedrich Moritz August Retsch, and they put, he painted that picture 1898. And the picture is called uh, Checkmate. You see there's a chessboard in the middle. On the left side, that, that's a picture of um, uh, Lucifer or Mephisto, actually a picture of the devil. I think the devil looks more bad than he on that picture. But uh, there's a story in German literature. There's a story. It's called Dr. Faust. Maybe you heard about this. The Germans, sometimes they are crazy. You know why? They, sometimes they worship education. They like to understand everything. If they don't understand it, they reject it. Is. And you know, we will never understand everything. You can't understand the move of the Holy Spirit. You can't understand sometimes how God worked. You can't. There are some mysteries in the Bible. And like Brother Samuel said, you will never understand them. But the Germans, they like to understand. So, uh, actually, on the right side, this is Dr. Faust. And he made a deal with the devil. And he tried... You, you can't make a deal with the devil. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I have a point with that. But, uh, so what he's actually doing is that if you give me more wisdom, more insight, more intellect, uh, you can have my soul. Stupid deal. On the end of his life, 
he realized that was a stupid idea. So then he talked to the devil and said, let's have a chess game. And the winner, uh, you can, if you win, you can have my soul. If I win, I will have my soul back. You can never have a deal like that. You will never have a deal like that because you can't make a deal with the devil. But what I'm saying with that story, when this artist made this picture, uh, he called it Checkmate. And actually, uh, if, if you see, the devil is winning that chess game. He's winning. And Faust, he's very discouraged. He's very, he know he will lose that game. He know it is his last time. Sometimes we feeling like we are checkmate. Do you have that feeling sometimes? You feel like it's done. It's over. I can't do anything. I'm losing. I'm in deep trouble. I have no help. Where is God? Sometimes we have that thinking. And so uh, here in America, you had one of the greatest chess players uh, the world has ever seen. Uh, he was born 1837 in New Orleans, died 1884, and the guy was a genius. He was so good, all the old chess champions didn't like to play against him because they would lose their title. So they was afraid to play against him in these chess championships. And one time, there was a chess championship, a world championship, in at the city of Paris, the capital of France. And so he had a little bit free time, so he went to the Louvre, and he saw that picture. He looked at to that picture, he studied this picture, and he said, something is wrong with that picture. So he was there, looked on the left side, on the right side, in the middle, for uh, I don't know how long, but he said, something is wrong with the picture. And they asked him, what's wrong? And after a little while, he studied that chess game. He said, you know, we need to call this artist... Because Dr. Faust on the right side is not losing the game. His king is still in the middle and his king has the last move and he will win that game. When I heard that story, what sticked with me was our king always has the last move. Our, the game is not over. Our king always has the last move. He will win. Sometimes you think, it's, you think it's over. I had so many times when I thought it's over. But our king always had the last move. There was Daniel in the lion's den. This king put him in there. Can you imagine you sitting there and in front of you a few hungry lions? But our king had the last move. For some reason, they had no appetite. The Bible said uh, the angels, they was closing their mouth. Because our king has always the last move. On the next morning, the king came and he said, uh, Could your God, you believing, could he save you? And he said, yes. Because our king always has last move. Amen. 
I, I'm thinking on the, that woman. You know, if you go to the city of Venice in Italy, very famous city, uh, there is this, I don't know how you call that, that story from Romeo and Giulietta or Juliet. Uh, you know, the greatest story from a misunderstanding, you know. That's the biggest misunderstanding in literature. So anyway, when you go to the city, there's on that St. Marcus Square, there's right next to it the St. Marcus Church or Basilica. When you go in that church, there's a picture, a painting hanging, from that story, from that woman, the religious fanatics, they caught her in a, uh, in, in an adulterous act. Is it right to say that? You know, uh, uh, she had a man in her bedroom. He shouldn't be there. And these religious people, these fanatics, they took her out. They was not in, never interested in that lady. But they tried to use that lady uh, to find something so they can put Jesus in court. So they took this lady, they brought her, and they said, Jesus, we just got her, or uh, catched her, or took her, and she was in the middle of adultery. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And so they said, what do you say about this? And the Bible said that Jesus was writing down something in the sand or in the ground. I was always thinking, what was he writing down? Because after a while, he said, Jesus said, if you, if you are the, the one who is without sin, he can throw the first stone at that lady. And the Bible said that they all dropped their stones down and they was running away. So I was wondering, what was he writing in the sand? This artist on that painting in Venice, uh, he wrote down, he had this whole situation, and he wrote down all the sins of every religious fanatic who had a stone in their hand. I'm not sure is that true or not. You know, the Bible didn't talk about this. But it would be a great explanation. My point is, Jesus had the last move. He gave the right answer to these people. He said, those without sin, throw the first stone at this lady. Nobody. This lady, she knew she will be dead in a few moments. But our king always had the last move. Tell your neighbor, I don't care about your situation, but your king has the last move. There was this uh, Golgotha Jesus was hanging on the cross right to the left side there was a criminal, a murder on the right side there was a murder one of them he was uh, teasing Jesus he was cynical, he was angry he said if you are God's son uh, get out, uh, get up from this cross and so he was he was really rude and bad even he knew it would be his last moments in life. I never understand why people rejecting Jesus even when they know they will die. I never understand that. So, but this man, he, he uh, was rejecting Jesus. The other guy, he said, you know, this man did nothing wrong. We did. We deserve that. And then he went to, uh, he talked to Jesus. He said, Jesus, 
servant, you go to your kingdom. Please remember me. And Jesus made this great statement. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You know why? He, so this man, in the last seconds of his life, or hours of his life, he took that chance. Why? Because he got a chance, and our king had the last move in his life. You know, sometimes people, um, when they die, they're rejecting Jesus. Nobody should do that. I think uh, we have a life after this life here. And so, my point is, Jesus always has the last move, but don't reject him. And then, uh, even Jesus, he was hanging on that cross. The Bible said that uh, all the sins, can you imagine, every sin, every sickness, every bad thing was throwing on him. AIDS was on him. There was all kinds of sicknesses. Everything was on him. People couldn't look at him. He looked so bad. He felt lonely on the cross. And so then, uh, uh, I think Lucifer, the devil, already had a party going on in hell. And they were celebrating for three days. But because our king always has the last move, there was a voice going down. Come up. Come out here. I'm, I don't know. The devil probably was, uh, got the shock of his life, you know, because they couldn't hold him back. Because our king always has the last move. Amen. You know, I think it's 75 years ago. My grandfather, he was captured by the American troops. He was fighting for in Adolf Hitler's army, and he was captured. And the American uh, military, they brought him over to Norfolk, Virginia. And he served there in a military camp as a prisoner of war for two years. He deserved it. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, I don't think uh, he was just in the wrong time, in the wrong place. He was fighting for the wrong people. He was killing for the wrong people, for the wrong ideology. And so, uh, after two years, they brought him on a boat back to England, and he served another year uh, in Britain as a, a prisoner of war. When he came back home, uh, he, he said to my father, I signed a document to the American government, I will never touch a gun again. And he never did. He said, I learned my lesson. I was fighting for the wrong people. And so I grew up, he, uh, because my father, after World War II, was introduced to socialism, communism. It was a total different socialism, what people talking in America hear. What I'm saying is, we lived and I grew up in a dictatorship, an absolute dictatorship. Uh, but my, uh, uh, my father, he believed in it. So I grew up without a Bible, without, and my life was miserable. And I never th thought I will have a chance to change that. But in that moment when, I, when somebody, somebody introduced Jesus Christ to me, and I uh, started 
praying, reading the Bible. When I did this, my life was changed or started to change. Um, why? Because our king always has the last move. There was a God, there still is a God in heaven who saw me, saw my life. 75 years later, I was standing in Norfolk, Virginia on the same cotton field where my grandfather labored there as a prisoner of war. And I thought, how great is God? Changed my life. I'm here with another mission in America. I'm here in America not to have a great vacation. I'm just here to let you know our king always has the last move. I love this country. I love this country. But I love also many countries. And that's why I'm going and preaching about Jesus Christ. Because he's my king. He changed my life. Um, my, uh, uh, my, the, my grandmother and my grandfather from my mother's side, they came from an area what is today Poland. Before World War II, uh, it was part of Germany. And my grandmother and my grandfather, they had a, a hotel. They owned a hotel there. And it was the best hotel in that little town or that little city. And uh, because it was close to the Polish border, a lot of Nazis, a lot of fascists, uh, officers from the German army uh, checked into that hotel. And my grandmother, knew them. she knew them all. When I came to uh, Farmington Hills in Norfolk, uh, excuse me, in uh, uh, Michigan, close to Detroit, there's a Holocaust uh, center there. Uh, there's a, it's a Jewish center, and they're talking. The whole exhibition there is about the Holocaust. And I was preaching in this area, and so one day I was, uh, on, on a Sunday night, I was going to that Holocaust memorial, to that center there. And when I came in, uh, in the middle of this entrance, there's a train wagon. They transported all the Jews in that train wagon to the concentration camps, to the death camps. And they never came back. They killed them there to uh, like Auschwitz or Buchenwald or, you know, different death camps. So I, I, I knew all this. But I was shocked when I looked to this little piece of paper. You know, on all the old trains, they had no computers, no electronic. Uh, they had a little box, and there was a piece of paper in that box where the train comes from and where the destination is. When I looked to this little piece of paper, I saw the city of my town. So there was the Jewish people from my town uh, transported to the death camps in Auschwitz-Birkenau. And I thought, how can God forgive the sins of our fathers? Do you know that uh, the Germans, uh, during World War II, there was, I think, 50 million people got killed during World War II. Six million Jewish people, including 1.5 million children, got killed in these death camps. Do you know what kind of... Uh, uh, shame and um, 
It's, it's, it's a big sin, you know, to, to do that thing, something like that, you know. And uh, Germany by that time was one of the most educated countries in the world. And I never understood why uh, such uh, educated people can do something like this. East Germany was founded, and you know, after World War II, uh, the Allies, they divided Germany in four pieces, the British part, the French part, the American part, and the Russian part. And I grew up in the Russian part. And so after, uh, on October 7th, 1948, excuse me, 49, East Germany was founded. On the same day, exactly 40 years later, on uh, October 7th, 1989, East Germany collapsed. Can you imagine? Exactly on a day, it was like 40 years in the wilderness. What I'm saying is, God gave a chance to my country. We didn't deserve it. God gave a chance to me. I didn't deserve it. But God is still giving chances to all of us. I don't know how uh, bloody is your past. I don't know how sinful is your past. But I'm here to tell you, our God always has the last move. Our King is always, He is keeping His word. So if somebody repents to him, he gives you a future. You know, uh, I made two great decisions in my life. Two. I did some stupid decisions, but I made some two very good decisions. My first good decision was inviting Jesus Christ into my life. Somebody gave me a little Bible, and I was starting reading the Bible. I was lighting up a cigarette, have a glass of vodka, and was reading the Bible, you know. <laughs> After one chapter, I had another cigarette, another uh, zip, you know, and reading the next chapter. And some days I was reading a lot, I tell you. <laughs> that was stupid, but I didn't know it better. What I'm saying is, God took me, and he started changing my life. The second good decision I made was that I asked my wife to marry me. You know, uh, she is like my second Holy Ghost. If I'm not listening to the first one, she makes me listening. She's a great wife, great woman, great believer. And that's, that's amazing. You know, our God always has the last move. Um, <clears throat> my, my father, he hated Christians. My father was not only a communist, he was also working for the secret police. When I came back from the army and I came home, he saw this, I was changed. I was reading my Bible every day. I started do, uh, stopping all that stupid things, you know, and I was reading my Bible. And he was very concerned and he was very angry. I didn't know that he burned all my books when some people mailed something to me. He burned it all. I didn't know that he was so against Christianity. And by that time, I didn't know that my father uh, was working for the secret service. I mean, secret service, what they did is actually they could kill you and nobody would ask any question. It was a real dictatorship. 
In my town, there are places where you can uh, uh, look to some places where they uh, shoot it, uh, political opponents. In, uh, if you go to the city of Berlin, there's everywhere memorials from the Nazi time, but also from the communist times. So our history, we have a very, very bad history. And that's why we are very, our government is very concerned about racism, about uh, uh, nationalism. Uh, our government and the German people, they don't understand uh, the American mentality. That's why they don't understand how could America vote a man like your president, you know. There's a lot of miscommunication, a lot of misunderstanding. But I, what I'm saying is our government, because of our past, are very careful what they say and what they do. Um, one of the greatest supporters uh, of Israel is our Chancellor, Angela Merkel. She's a great supporter there. Uh, but let me go back to, to my message. So my father, uh, my brother one time, he found out that my <clears throat> father had an affair with another lady. So he talked to my father and said, you know, you should talk to our mom. She didn't deserve that. And so instead of talking to her, he moved out from home. And then a few days later, I received an invitation to a court hearing because my father put in the divorce papers, the reason I have to choose another wife is not uh, because of her, but she has a very strong relationship to my son, and my son is a Christian. That was bad. I said to my dad, I said, this is wrong, what you, what you do here, uh, you know, it's, it's bad. And so they asked me in court, uh, is that true, you're a Christian? I said, yes. And I started giving my testimony there. They was angry, kicked me out. And, uh, and so, but the, the problem was actually, a little bit later, my father uh, uh, got cancer. You know, a lot of people, they're rejecting God. God will give everybody a chance to listen or to have the word of God. That's why we have to go to the mission field. That's why we have to go preach to all the nations. That's why we have to do that. Because God will use you to talk to people and bring this good news to every person. So uh, my father got cancer. And then uh, he uh, was in the hospital. I rushed to the hospital and uh, the nurse said, you can't go in. Your father don't like to see you because you're a Christian. And uh, he said, I have no son anymore. And uh, it was horrible. So what I'm saying is there are people, they reject the gospel. And they didn't take the chance that our God, our King, can move in their behalf. Don't reject this. You know, there are so many chances. Uh, you know, there was a, uh, of course, we, uh, we started an underground church and uh, there was missionaries. They came to our city. They brought material with them. They, uh, they helped us to, to establish an underground church, teaching material, CDs, and uh, uh, tapes in that time we had tapes you know some uh, if you're younger than uh, 20 ask your daddy what the tape is you know uh, because you have no idea but maybe you don't know what a phone book is but uh, you know 
times are changing so fast. Yeah. So anyway, um, what I'm what I'm saying is, uh, one day a missionary brought a little book uh, and gave it to me, and actually he gave it to another pastor. Long story. Uh, it ended up I had this book, and it was called the authority of the believer, from a man I've never heard about him, Kenneth E. Hagen, and. Uh, I was visiting a pastor, and that pastor showed me that book, and he said, you know, uh, it's a great book, you need to read that, and, and I said, yeah, can I have it? And he said, no, let me, uh, I will read it first, and then you can have it. So uh, that night, I had to stay in his house overnight. I didn't sleep that night. I made a handwritten copy of that book, because there was only one book there. Sometimes... You know, here in America, you have so much from everything. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I mean, I grew up in a country when you had a chance to buy one orange and one banana once a year, a few days before Christmas. For each family, one banana and one orange. When I came first time to America, I checked into a hotel and I saw this basket with beautiful oranges there. I asked the lady at the front desk, I said, ma'am, can I take an orange here? You know the Americans, how they are. She said, take them all if you like. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. But what I'm saying is sometimes, and I don't blame you, but sometimes we have so much. There's so much. When I'm always amazed when I go to the supermarkets here. You have a thousand choices from a single product. In East Germany, we had two choices. Take it or leave. <laughs> That's the choice. So it made it easy to go grocery shopping, you know, there was not much to choose from it. Sometimes in America, and, and I'm a little concerned about Germany now too, because we have the same supermarkets, we have all the same things. Sometimes I'm a little bit scared that the younger generations, that they become so spoiled, that they forget what privilege that is to live in the United States of America. If you have a... I, I, I tell you something. I don't care who is in the White House. You know, because uh, I know there are good Christian people in this country. And because of that, and because of what your forefathers, your founding fathers, what they did, the purpose, why they came, it, all this is still working. And it's a great blessing to hold an American passport in your hand. It's a great blessing to be an American. Never forget what you have in this country. You know, there's no country is perfect. Sometimes politicians, they make stupid, stupid statements. You know, sometimes they acting stupid. They, but they are humans. You know, that's why God said, pray for your authorities. And we should do that. You know, there's no difference between American politicians and German politicians. Sometimes they're stupid, you know. <laughs> that's how it is. 
But you know, sometimes we are stupid too. Sometimes we make some bad decisions. But I tell you, whatever you face, our king always has the last move. You know, um, many, many years ago, I, uh, it was East German time, and I had a friend, and he uh, was traveling to some of these East Bloc countries, and he said, you know, we need to go to Romania. Romania is one of these East Bloc, former East Bloc countries, in the south of, uh, yeah, almost the south of uh, Europe, uh, there is this little country, Romania. They had a dictator, his name was Nicolae Ceausescu. And he was crazy. He was every year taking blood from babies, put it in his system to renew his body. The guy was crazy. One of the most brutal secret services, the Secretata. Uh, and so uh, Christianity was not very uh, loved there. They rejected this. They, they had to have underground churches. So... Um, and my friend, he came to me and he said, you know, there was a, there was a famine, uh, uh, how you say that, a drought you know, in, in this country. So they have not a real good harvest and uh, people are starving there. People are suffering there. And he said, we need to do something. And sometimes we think we need more money. We think uh, or, uh, it's a money issue. That's why we can't do anything for the gospel. I think... If you are willing to do something, and of course I, I'm pre, pre, uh, preaching that probably to the wrong audience because uh, I heard what you did in Africa and different parts of the world, how many churches you built, and so, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. So what I'm saying is, you already live that, but some people they think it's a money issue, it's not, it's a heart issue. If you're willing to help people, you do everything what's necessary to help these people. Amen. So I talked to some people in our church, and I said, you know, I would love to go to Romania. Would you help us? And so people start bringing food to my house. They're bringing money, and they, they gave me stuff so I could purchase a ticket, a train ticket, go to Romania and bring food to this place. But I had no car. You know, in East Germany... It was a very, you are, was a blessed person if you had a car. Because to have a car, you had to wait, to wait on a waiting list for 13 years. And you had to pay for that stinky, ugly car uh, at least a two-year salary. So it was, it was I, I, I never owned a car during that time. Um, so we uh, purchased some train tickets. And then I had two, yeah, three suitcases, and the other guy had three suitcases. And by that, and we filled it up with food, and we, we had two backpacks and some plastic bags, uh, and we filled it all up with food. <clears throat> and so, uh, after a little while, uh, we came to the train station, and by that time, the, uh, the, the suitcases had no wheels. You know, what means is it's heavy, it's heavy. We filled it up and we brought masses of food in that train. I, uh, uh, we, we made a reservation in that little, in these trains they had like little apartments with a few beds inside. So we filled up this whole apartment, this little thing, uh, with all the food. Uh, 
On the train, on the train station, uh, on the check, uh, on the border, they checked every train, the uh, customs came in, and they checked your passport, checked your luggage. And so, this lady came in. <laughs> she was huge. I thought this lady is cursed. She was the most ugly lady I've ever seen. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, you know, but it's the truth. I tell you the truth. This lady was cursed, you know. It, oh, my goodness, I, I go away from that. But anyway, she came in. She screamed, looked like a German shepherd. She screamed, open up this cases, suitcases. So we opened it up. And she said, you are smugglers. You smuggling. You bring, bring food to the black market there. And uh, you are smugglers. I, I said, no, ma'am, we are not. Uh, we have friends in uh, Romania, and we will bring that food to them because they're starving there. She said, this is illegal. I will arrest you right away. So she stepped out of the train. She walked. She couldn't run. She was heavy, you know. <laughs> so she walked over to... Uh, to the police station, and uh, it took her a while because it was far away. And so, you know, sometimes I, I start praying. Sometimes we Christians are goofed up, you know, we because uh, we have so many times uh, this this stupid questions. Can we speak in tongues? Can we pray loud? Should we pray, pray more quiet? Can we lift up our hands? Or things like that, you know. Uh, uh, in a situation like this, you don't have this question. I start screaming in tongues. I start screaming to God. I said, Jesus, help me! Because I was facing a checkmate situation. Because they would arrest me. They would bring my friend and me uh, in, the, in the next jail. Prison, you know. So I start praying, and then something very unusual happened. In that time, uh, today, every train is running by computers, electronically everything. But in that time, there was on the gate, there was this, the train would come in, and there, a guy would come from the uh, uh, train company, and he would have a little whistle, he would blew that whistle, and that was the sign to the guy in the train to move forward. When I stopped praying, I said, Jesus, help me. A little guy stepped out of that train, and he had a little whistle in his hand. He blew that whistle, and the train was moving. This lady, I could see her. She tried to run, but she couldn't run fast enough. You know what I did? <laughs> Waving my hands. And I was saved because our king always has the last move. So I came to the Czech Republic. Everything was fine. We bought some more food. And then uh, we came to Hungary. That was uh, the best place in all these East European countries because it was very open to the West. And then I had a problem. I, we came to Romania, and it was illegal to bring some Christian material. And I had some Bibles and some uh, Christian material with me, and I put it under my pillow on that bed. But I was scared. I said, Jesus, please help me. 
I don't know, uh, I don't like to end up in jail here in Romania. I mean, if you love your wife, you start praying. If you don't like her, you said, Jesus, it's better to end up in jail than with her, you know. Uh, but if you love her, you start praying. So I prayed. And then I, I forgot I had in my, uh, in my jacket, I had $10. And the first officer from customs came in. And I said, sir, I'm very tired. Would you check my passport here and put a stamp in? And, and then, uh, because I'm so tired, would you do that? And he said, why should I do that? I said, you know, because I give you $10 if you do it. And he looked at me, he smiled. He said, yes, sir. Took that money. Some people criticized me. They said, you made him corrupt. No, he was already corrupt. I didn't make him corrupt. <laughs> you know, he was already. So $10 can make a big difference in some parts of the world. Pastor uh, Albert knows what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you did this, you know, made somebody corrupt. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you knew how everything works in different countries. Some countries, they totally lawless, you know. So um, the guy said, took the money. Uh, he said, you know, I don't need to see your passport. He uh, stepped out, closed the door. And then a few minutes later, I heard these people uh, other custom people and some police and soldiers they came to the uh, to, through that train and they uh, they tried to come into this little apartment there and he let nobody in he was screaming they was fighting they was I don't know what they said but they, he let nobody in after a while he opened the door and he said have a great trip and he stepped out I started praying that the whole time because I would end up in jail. But our king always had the last move. I came to, uh, to that little uh, city there, but the problem I had, our train would only stop for three minutes on that, in that little uh, train station. But we filled up that whole thing with food. So I, I told my uh, friend, I said, step out, I open the window, and I throw everything out. Uh, but even with that, it was not possible. This, the train stopped moving. And I don't know what to do. And if you, a child under 18, don't do what I did. In every train, there's an emergency break. So I stopped that train. And then I realized, man... This is crazy. So I was scared. I said, Jesus, protect me. I was throwing all this stuff to the other side of the gate, jumped out, waited there, praying there, and there was chaos on that train station. People, police came in. There was totally chaos. If you do that today, I mean, they arrest you for years. So anyway, after a while, the train was moving, and I was protected. Because our God always has a last move. We came to the church. We had an amazing time. I uh, realized the pastor, when we came in, he said, you know, I prepare some, some, a meal for you. And I realized he took the same food, what we brought to them, he put it on the table. I said to my friend, we don't eat. He said, I'm hungry. I said, shut up, we don't eat, we fast. He said, no, I'm not fasting. I said, shut up. You have to fast now. It's good for you. And so we don't eat. We, we are only three days here. Don't eat. 
And he said, okay. So we had some tea, we had some water, and then we had some great services. You know, the Bible said that if you, uh, if you sow with tears, you will reap with joy. And what I'm saying, it, the whole trip, it was worth to do that. God blessed us, uh, not in a financial way. These people, they couldn't give us anything, you know. But what I'm saying is, uh, if you see people and you can help people, it's one of the greatest joys you can have. It's one of the greatest rewards you can have. So God always has the last move. My wife... She had one time and uh, cancer and tumor in her, her body. And I don't know about you, maybe you have something in your body right now. And I'd like to encourage you that our king always has the last move. <coughs> Excuse me. When, uh, when she went to the doctor and the doctor didn't ultrasound and he saw you could see the tumor was in the size of an orange and the doctor said we need to remove it as fast as we can and so uh, that was I think it was on a Thursday and he said you know come on Monday uh, to Monday Tuesday uh, to the surgery we don't do the surgery here it's another friend of mine he's doing the surgery on the other side of Munich and and he said uh, but we, we need to do that quick we went to a conference in Sweden on that weekend. And something happened during the praise and worship. My wife, she was standing there, lifting up her hands, praising God. And she said, I have a burning in my body. It's so painful. I have a burning here. I said, honey, we can go to the hotel if you like. She said, no. Uh, after a while, everything was gone. Everything was good. We came on that... A few days later to that uh, surgery, to that hospital in Munich, and um, the doctor said, you know, let me do an ultrasound to locate that thing. So he looked it up and he said, I can't find anything. He called the doctor on the other side, you're an idiot, I, there is no tumor there. He said, no, there is one, you're an idiot. <laughs> so so he, he said, I will email you all the photos, I will email you everything, you, can, you will find it. He received it, he looked at it, he said, yes, there's a tumor. But the tumor is gone. There's nothing in your body, ma'am. You can go home. I don't know what to do with you. Why? Because our God always has the last move. Our King. It's, it's not a game. But sometimes it feels like you're checkmate. You know? Because our God always has the last move. I will finish uh, um, th that message with one story. And it's actually not a story. Um, you know, I told you uh, that my, uh, my grandfather was in Adolf Hitler's army. Uh, I was facing the consequences from his or this wrongdoing of this generation. And it looked like I, had, I would never have a chance. Later, when I became a Christian, uh, the communists rejected me and my wife. We couldn't go to a university and study there because we are Christians. Because the government didn't like that they have 
educated people and at the same time they are Christians. They hated Christians. You know why? Because they couldn't control them. Because they were submitted to a higher authority. So, um, uh, I went years ago, this is my last story, uh, I went years ago uh, to England and I was visiting Oxford University. And then I, one of the greatest and oldest universities in the world. And I was sitting in that little chapel where John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, started their Holy Ghost Club. I was sitting there and I started crying. And I said, Jesus, you know, my, I never had the chance to have an education. I never, uh, please give me a future for my kids. I'd like that my kids have a university degree. You know, when uh, uh, my first son, and, and by the way, God spoke in that little chapel to me and said, uh, uh, if you believe me, everything is possible. You just have to believe my word. And so I, uh, my, when my son, my oldest son was born, my wife had an infection in her body. Everybody said, doctor said, you need to abort the child because you will die. Or the child will be totally handicapped, you know, or ill, or I'm not sure what is politically correct here, but what I'm saying today, you say uh, children with special need. And so anyway, I, uh, we didn't abort the child. We was crying and believing, crying and believing, all in the same time. It was rough. But our king had the last move. Uh, my wife gave birth to a beautiful, very intelligent, great son. Uh, he just finished his doctorate. He's a historian and journalist. He's right now in New York, and he uh, uh, is doing some speeches at NYU. My second son, I told you, he has his education in some of the... He was, uh, had his education in some of the greatest university on this planet, you know. Uh, great guy. My daughter was born with the umbilical cord around her neck. The doctor said, your daughter will be ill. She will never memorize anything because she had a lack of oxygen. Her brain was damaged. It's, she don't expect too much from her. A few weeks ago, she received her barrister degree from, uh, from a, um, a law school in England. She is a, and you have to have to be a little bit brain to remember uh, all these old British law books. You know, uh, uh, a, a few weeks ago she received her wig, the white wig. In England they have that still today. They have that, you know, and she received it there. What I'm saying is, our God always has the last move. Sometimes peop uh, situations look totally horrible. But remember this message, when you have this bad report and when you, when you have these bad feelings or when everything looks like checkmate, you're not because our king always has a last move. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. Please close your eyes. If you're here right now and you have a tumor in your body, please lift up your hand. There's one person, there's one person, there's somebody, there's somebody.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I curse that thing. Jesus, I thank you for your power. We sang it at the, in the beginning, we, that you still do miracles. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for all these people. And I cursed that devil, and I said, devil, get out of these bodies. We call that persons, we call them free, cancer free, tumor free. Jesus, please touch their bodies right now. I can't heal. I can't do anything. But I know Jesus can. In the beginning, when we, when the brother made his introduction here, it was in my spirit that God will heal people this morning. So if you have any kind of sickness in your body, put your hand on your chest. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we take authority and we say, body be healed in Jesus' name. Immune system, walk now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I call this bodies healed. And I bless everybody in this room. In Jesus' name. If you're here and you never made Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you. Everybody born again, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Father, bless this congregation. Bless them in a tremendous way. Bless them. Use them. Use them. And let them never forget that you always has the last move. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I'm sorry. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.